Yowza, 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 indeed. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Matt Kennedy, one half of the five films from podcast here. Wanted to take a second today before Todd and I get started on the episode to say thanks for listening. And to ask that if you've been enjoying the show, make sure you like, subscribe, and maybe even leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Doing that's going to really help us to connect with more movie-loving listeners just like you. Also, we wanted to give y'all an update on some of the stuff we're working away on for Season 2. Got a lot of good episodes lined up real soon. For example, uh, Todd's currently editing our two-part season premiere on five films from... It's actually going to be ten films from the two-parter. We're going to be doing Brian De Palma. We'll also be gonna getting into some more idiosyncratic stuff with guys like Stuart Rosenberg and Larry Cohen, as well as you know real Hollywood legends like Robert Altman and fan favorites like John Landis and Tony Scott. Again, be sure to subscribe so you can be among the first to hear all of our newest five films from content as soon as it drops. Totally. Lastly, if you're still listening, <laughs> be sure to be on the lookout for our upcoming Patreon feed. We'll be offering all kinds of bonus episodes, things like double features, commentary tracks, etc. 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 And special things like five films from directors who have only made one film and five films from the 70s disaster movie genre. Absolutely. So yeah, a lot of things lined up, good things on the horizon for FFF. And yeah, that's all I got for you. Enjoy the show. With Mac Kennedy and Todd Edmondson. I'm Mac Kennedy. We're going to be talking about Michael Ritchie's movies. Um, director of Downhill Racer, The Candidate, Smile, uh, The Bad News Bears, Fletch, and also many others. But those are going to be the five we're focusing on today. Um, I'm here with my co-host, who's uh, Todd Edmondson. Say hello. Hello, hello. How y'all doing? Yeah. Um, cool. So Michael Ritchie... Uh, just give you a quick little thing about Michael Ritchie. He started out as a television director, um, doing shows like, hold on one second. Went to Harvard. Yeah, he did went to Harvard. from Wisconsin, uh, and he lived in the house that Marilyn Monroe died in. Bought it for $995,000. Mm, yeah, fascinating fact right That's there. really wow. so strange. Yeah, he apparently <laughs> purchased it in 1994 for almost a million dollars, which it's in Brentwood. Yeah. yeah Tony, very Tony. Yeah, sure. Yeah, OJ's yeah. neighborhood, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Juice's neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so his first movie directed after the TV and uh, everything else, his first movie was Downhill Racer. Paramount. It was originally directed by Roman, supposed to be directed by Roman Polanski. Is that right? Yeah, that's a bizarre story. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. What uh, what do we know about that? It was supposed to be his first American movie, and um, Robert Evans, Paramount said, "Hmm, I want you to do Rosemary's Baby." Which good call. Yeah, it worked you know? out for everybody. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This movie is it's like sort of a perfect beginning of Michael Ritchie's career, too, because it talks about a lot of the sort of competition-based themes that he'd return to again and again. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Sports, um, individual effort, and yeah, the team of, uh, of, of the Olympic skiing, U.S. skiing team, 
coached by Gene Hackman. That's right. The brilliant Gene Hackman. Pretty early role for Gene Hackman, too. Probably yeah. a year after um, Bonnie and Clyde, right? Just a year. Got, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's got a uh, assistant coach, a very young Dabney Coleman. Yeah, without a mustache. Cool. Without a Yet. mustache. Very strange. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, he gets just enough of that Dabney Coleman thing that, you know. I, to find his career. I didn't pick it up until like near the end of the movie. I'm like, oh, that's been Dabney Coleman the whole time. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. It's a movie that uh, kind of reminds me of what would later be sort of a Tom Cruise movie, like Days of Thunder or, or even Top Gun, where it's like the character Rayford plays reminds me of that sort of archetypical Tom Cruise character in, in that he's like this young guy who comes in and he naturally like dominates whatever field he's in, but he's like, he doesn't listen to anybody and he needs some coaching and you know, where he had Paul Newman in The Color of Money or, or Robert Duvall in uh, um, Days of Thunder, it's like that's the Gene Heckman role in this. It, yeah, yeah, you know, good point. The the iconoclastic uh, uh, anti-hero. Right. Um, he's sort of, you know, he's, he's really good, but he just doesn't listen to anybody. And he's got to take yeah. some, some hard-won advice from the coach or whatever. Yeah, yeah, doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. This new boy, this 79, uh, he can win to, uh, what's his name, David Chaplin. You will consider him for the FIS team, yes? Well, we haven't... Uh... We haven't selected the team yet. Uh, we still have a couple of days. Uh, uh, Creech, of course, that's obvious. Uh, this uh, Chaplet, is he? Uh, is it his first season? No, uh, he's raced in the United States. His first season in Europe. Dave, Dave, come over here, will you? We wanted to congratulate you. That was quite a showing you made. Yeah. Maybe next time I'll get to start in the top fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we have to be going. Uh, we'll see you in kitchen, huh? Dave? Come here. Look, uh, you're going to be doing quite a bit of this. I know you like to joke around, but they don't. The one thing they do know, and that everybody knows, you have to earn your starting spot. I'm going to fight for you. I will. I wasn't joking. Look, you finished fourth in one race. Don't expect to be given the world. I don't expect to be given anything. Good. Get in the bus. There's some funny stuff in this movie, too, believe it or not. Like, it's not a, not a particular comedy, but it does have some of the sort of like Michael Ritchie-ish touches that you'd see in his later movies. Like the American broadcasters who just show up every once in a while to do a little exposition. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. The, the way those guys are portrayed is like, it's such a small choice, but it's so funny. Like they start out introducing themselves and then the one guy like looks over and he's all pissed off. <laughs> and then like they'll be halfway through their exposition talking about the different skiers and then the camera will, oh wait, we're talking about the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a different blonde guy. Uh, yeah, it wasn't actually Redford. Yeah, that was hilarious touch. Yeah. This chaplet of the United States. Oh, I should mention a young man seated in the second group on the basis of a stunning performance when starting way back. I think he was 79. Was it 79, Bruce? Well, I think it was in the Kandahar at St. Anton. He finished fourth just behind Boy Riven. There he is, number 23. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. We've got the wrong. There he is now. We're on him now. Number 23, Dave Chaplet from Idaho Springs, Idaho, uh, Idaho Springs, Colorado. Yeah, early television and in Richie's, you know, experience there. Obviously, he's having fun with that, Definitely. which is really cool. Yeah, um, and and what's phenomenal about that, and I didn't count up the amount of cameramen they used, but holy shit, it was like um, 
it was like filming, you know, it was like an Olympic setup. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I totally believe that. Well, it must have been an editing nightmare. And there's another thing that you'll see where they'll be like, a, a lot of the cameras seem like they were almost improvising and trying to find stuff mm -hmm. on the on the ski slopes because they'll be like this big wide shot and then, and then all of a sudden hypers in it and I'm like one guy. Yeah, yeah, there he is. Michael Ritchie yeah. loves that kind of stuff and I, it, it's... It's cool, cool little touch. That's funny. I got to, uh, I got, when I was interning out of school, I got to do, um, I got to work at a TV station that had a separate production facility run by this real smarmy guy. And we got to do, he had to deal with NBC Golf. So I got to do sound for a golf cameraman named Tex. He was really good. Awesome. But that's like the, that's the thing is you're kind of, there's like a million guys out there all catching every hole. And the director's and just like listening to them all. Yeah, to yeah. And, and some of them are cued in on certain sure. hotshot guys and just follow them around. Yeah, it's, it, it, it was, I thought that was an amazing aspect of that. Really, really well shot. The, sure. the opening is phenomenal. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely right. It literally does look like you're watching the Olympics. And, and I wasn't sure what was going on in the beginning. I thought maybe it was a flash forward because it, was that, that wasn't Robert Redford, right? I, that no, was a I don't know. Guy. No, yeah, yeah, it was I'm just not sure a different what was going guy. on. But I guess after reading the Wikipedia, it was supposed to be Redford and the other guy, DK, who arrives along with him, are like trying to get the spot of this guy who was injured in the beginning. So I don't know if that was necessarily uh, super It wasn't really clear, clear to yeah. me either. I yeah. thought it might have been a flash forward. I couldn't really figure it out. Because you know, like, I, got, I got that Redford was just kind of a call-up right, uh, yeah, for, for just, the injury. Yeah. Uh, and boy, yeah, you know... The, the injuries <laughs> get, look pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah, going that fast down at the fucking snow. I love where he says 88. Hey, if you're starting in the sixth group, it's the best we can get for you. It should be higher, but that's all we can do for you right now. What's the point of even racing? Same as always, you try to win. Starting 88, they'll be in ruts up to my knees. Probably. Yeah, Hackman's no just no nonsense. Cool stuff Great like stuff. like yeah. the just I didn't know anything about downhill skiing, but just like of course it makes sense that when you start way back, you're gonna have a shittier shot because the snow's <laughs> gonna be all piled up. But that wasn't something I'd ever thought about before. No, you know? no, but, he, yeah, he really puts you in the middle of it. I love that kind of little details and the certain subcultures that were being put into and pretty much each and every one of these movies, aside from maybe Fletch, they all have their own little insular sort of. Uh, uh, kind of mini Americas in, in, in their own place. Absolutely. Yeah. Competitions, uh, whether sports or politics, it's, he's just got that. He's You're right inside. He puts you right next to everybody too, which I really, uh, uh, really just think is amazing. And, and, and it's, of course, what, what was I thinking about these, the, the, the naturalism mm -hmm. of, of movies of, of the late sixties into the seventies, it was it was not like your old. It was not like your mom and dad's movies. You no, know? and it's it not was, like today's movies either, for the most part. It was no, a real kind of guerrilla, like anything goes style of filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that whole that whole era that really that really sparks. Uh, it was really, a, uh, and you know, Redford. It was he was not a huge star at the time, I don't believe, but because uh, what did he, he do? He was, uh, I think, it was probably what the same year as Butch Cassidy. I think it came out a couple months uh, uh, after it or before it. Let me check. Oh, he probably here. shot. Yeah, he yeah. probably was in that <clears throat> before. He was probably in Downhill before that, but Downhill Racer. Um, it was not a small movie either. I think it. I think it did. I think it did pretty well. 
Yeah, um, um, let's see what we got here. It got a $1.8 million budget, and it just kind of barely made it back, 1.9. But, you know, it, that is a hit. And in days, in days like that, that margin wasn't a, 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 t- a terrible thing. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. But, yeah, he just pulled it. Richie has a, he has a, you can tell he has a real, he has a real clear vision because what he ends up with is not by accident, you know. He's mm-hmm. just definitely got... He's got a feel for what he wants to get. And even, I thought even the romantic angle of it was just kind of, it, it has such a vapid kind of feel to it. It, it really, all, all uh, the whole, that whole life comes down to how well you do that one time skiing. Right. And the rest of your life is just this kind of like mess. And, and I thought the girlfriend that he met in Europe, whose name I don't remember, she's played by Camilla Spav, uh, or Sp- Sparv? Sparv. Sparv. That's yeah, right, Sparv. Um, but, the way Robert Redford's character David treats her, or the way she treats Robert Redford, is the exact same way he treats his girlfriend in America in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. The exact same way. And it's like, from then on, he does just nothing but ski for the rest of the movie, from that scene forward, after he walks out. Right. Yeah, yeah he's, he, but he has, he has jealousy, and, and uh, still, still just this one singular-minded thing. He has no relationship with his dad, which is... A, which was really kind of sad. Well, I guess you've been doing all right. Won some races. Yeah. I had a pretty good year. Win any money? Money? <laughs> no, see, we're thinking ahead two years for the Olympics. The Olympics? The Olympics ain't for money. No, but for after. Afterwards. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's how it works, huh? Yeah, it can, because, you know, you put together two good years, and you win a couple of well, spots. Well, I just hope you it. don't end up asking yourself the question some folks ask me. What's he do it for? Well, I'll be famous. I'll be a champion. The world's full of them. It seemed like he kind of just didn't have any interest in anyone. Like, it, it, it was just sort of like not listening and not asking questions and just sort of like very aloof and, and kind of an asshole, I guess, but just sort of like in his own head, obviously. And then again, why that's so interesting is you see him on the other side of that, the way he reacts with his dad, because his dad treats him like he treats everyone. <laughs> yeah, and right. so, yeah, really, yeah, yeah, the apple doesn't fall far right. from the it's tree Right, it's sort there. of really interesting kind of psychologically to see how he might have ended up like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all in all, it, it was a quality, quality uh, turn by uh, Michael Ritchie. And, you know, your first movie, I guess, really sets the stage. Yeah for uh for a, a career what for yeah what comes next and uh yeah like we were saying um it does set up a lot of the themes he would later talk about but here's the thing i want to ask you do you think it would be a little more on brand if at the very end of downhill racer after david had the great time and they're sitting there watching the other guy come down and they're worried wouldn't it have been more on brand for the rest of these movies if that other guy won? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, yeah, yeah. The yeah. ending felt a little abrupt in that way. I, yeah, I, I had a, I had thoughts about that too, where I, I, I you could see it coming, mm-hmm. um, like the end of Bad News Bears. Yeah, um, you could see it coming, but when it happened, I thought I thought what they conveyed, which was really cool, is sort of like, did I win or did they lose? 
Sure. You know, and that's that's sort of like like a process of elimination. Are you? Does that make you the best? Or and now that you've won, what's your life? Yeah. Yeah. You've got the only thing you ever cared about. And yeah. You're, what are you gonna do? Exactly. Yeah. What are your plans now? Slow down. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It yeah. is kind of bittersweet in that way. I don't, I don't know if I was if I even read it that way when I first looked at it, but it makes a total sense, especially because it's so abrupt. Yeah, it just uh, ends like oh, and there's a little bit of celebration, but it's, it's like it feels so it's, hollow. Yeah, somehow. it's what's what's the word? It feels truncated. It feels yeah, like yeah. a shortened celebration. And yeah, like you're still kind of and you still ha- haven't really gotten the release when the movie ends. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. Um, so yeah, downhill racer. It's a one other thing I had on here that I noted, kind of a not super important fact, but one time in the movie when they're at a club, I think in Switzerland, there's guys singing Moon River, which is also sung by Chevy Chase and Fletch. <laughs> so that's go. a thing that I also noted. Absolutely. Sounds good. Uh, that's a movie. It was 1972. It was Richie's third movie. I think we're already talking about that. Um, the plot has to do with uh, Peter Boyle plays a sort of political uh, strategist named Marvin Lucas who recruits Bill McKay, played by Robert Redford, uh, into who, who's the son of a former governor, into running for governor. And it, it's sort of a satire of the whole campaign process. Um yeah, so what, what would you say so, about yeah, the candidate? Redford, Let's get Redford pl- again plays kind of a he's kind of a laid back um outcast, you know, um not an outcast but a but a um um the it's word I used with yeah, the, well, the uh, word about the I used him in yeah. Brandon Downhill Racer, yeah. whatever that word was. Aloof, but yeah, yeah well, maybe that's what it was. Well, well he he's an he's kind of outside, you know, he's mm-hmm. an outsider, he doesn't want to be inside politics, he's a he's a public defender. Mm-hmm. He's always got an office full of Seems down, real idealistic guy trying to like help people and, outside of systems. Exactly. More or less, yeah. And uh in the premises that Peter Boyle convinces him to run and and uh, Robert Redford says you're saying I can say what I want, do what I want, go where I please. Hmm? That's right. Here's your guarantee. I lose. That's it. So what are you worried about? You're free, McKay. You don't have a chance, so say what you want. It's just between you and the public. The question is whether you can put your ass on the line. Now, the question is whether it's worth it. Which I love because that's kind of, you know, and again, again, the beauty of it is that is that Michael Ritchie had worked on um, the campaign. And what's his name? Uh, well, he worked on John Tunney's campaign. Uh, yeah, and yeah, also Tunney's. the writer, Jeremy Larner, worked for Eugene McCarthy. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Those yeah those double whammy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it really feels again like um, 
like you're just inside. Michael Ritchie again puts you right next to people. He puts you shoulder to shoulder with a lot of actors. You're looking over their shoulder. You're really right, right in the middle Absolutely of it. Absolutely right. Yeah, and almost a little Albany in that way. Sort yeah, of yeah. like, and there's different people who will just pop up. Like um, a good example of that in the candidate is like right when Redford first is. Uh, Peter Bullis trying to convince him to run and uh, basically the idea is because he's certain to lose he can run on whatever platform he likes he's not going to be constrained that's at least what he thinks at first and the thing that finally convinces him to do it is when he actually goes to a speech from his opponent Crocker Jarman who's played by an actor called Tom Porter this guy is a very funny character yeah. just just like a big dipshit but the people to the point that we were talking about earlier the crowds and just kind of the uniqueness of the people the real close-up shots of just these folks in the crowd and it's like cops and old people and it's like yeah these are the folks that would be listening to this guy yeah, that right, makes sense right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i remember my mom and dad went through the 1930s without welfare without poverty programs what none of us kids even had a social worker how did we do it well, ladies, excuse me, but we worked our butts off. <laughs> but I tell you this, good people, that Crocker Jarman still believes that individuals are responsible for themselves. And so does the vast majority of the American people. And that's why we're going to tell Big Brother to get lost. The solution to welfare is not more welfare. It's more enterprise, more industry, and more jobs. Now, there are those who say to industry, don't build, don't develop, don't cut a single tree or you'll destroy our watershed and so on. But I know that when the time comes for building, we will build, because building means jobs. And, and we'll find a way to love Mother Nature and preserve yeah, the guy's a clown. He he's just one of those entrenched. Um, yeah, it's just he he's narrowed his he's narrowed his his base down to. And again, that's the political base. They always talk about a base. And and Redford. How do you feel about welfare? We subsidize trains. We subsidize planes. Why not subsidize people? What about busing? What about it? What's your stand on it? I'm for it. That's a first. What would you do about property taxes? I don't know. Jesus. <laughs> so, like, the whole idea is he starts out with this real unfiltered kind of, I'm going to take it to the people and, and actually give my thoughts on how to fix things, and I'm not going to be stage-managed or uh, sort of, like, flattened out to being just a, a, a empty suit kind of guy, like, my opponent would be, or like all right. the other California Democrats apparently were at that point in the yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, but as he gets successful, it's like that ability to speak his mind becomes constrained. So it's <laughs> yeah. like this complete like backwards logic, but it's perfect because that's sort of when you're trying to appeal to more people, you're going to have to have a flattened message. It, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and and that's the uh, the uh, uh, actor Alan Garfield. That's right. Was also Alan, known as Alan Gorwitz, as I recall, in in some movies for whatever reason. 
um, he he's kind of the he's kind of the guy going to Peter Boyle and saying, "What are you doing?" You yeah. know, <laughs> and um, he ends up being being you know he ends up being the guy who's like saying, "If you're going to win, then you got you got to do this, 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 and this." And um, a lot of like sort of superficial TV commercials and like yeah. weird. Yeah. 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 I dig it. It's raw, but I eat it up. A lot of work to be done, my friend, but I get the feeling you know where you're going. I don't. Uh, it's kind of pre-Bullworth. I was actually... Bullworth. I had a funny thought of that. I wrote it as a reverse Bullworth. <laughs> because whereas Jay Bullworth starts out as, like, an empty suit, nothing-to-say politician, he goes through the movie and ends up being, like, a real speaking-his-mind man of the people, whereas Bill McKay goes through the exact opposite exactly. uh, yeah. arc of Bullworth. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had that same thought. <laughs> Uh, it's a grim scene, baby. Grim scene. That's <laughs> something Alan Garfield says in the movie. And he's take bag full of lollipops. He's hammering on them to make these I tiny candies that. out of them. Just a moron. <laughs> he's just genius at that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's just one of a kind, too. I'll tell you one thing. Tell me one thing. I might just make it, my friend. People are going to take a look at our stuff and see a guy who's got guts. Can take a look at the croc and think maybe you can't get it up anymore. That's what it's all about, huh? <laughs> Forget I even said it. Yeah, I I really dug the I really dug just the inside uh, the inside feel again and 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 again the, com the watching a competition. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of. of what we were talking about with uh, we haven't gotten to smile or bad news bears, but the competition of of um, of trying to win something. Sure, you know, win a golden downhill racer. You're trying to. He's not trying to win because the expectation is that he's going to lose. Right, and much like the character in Downhill Racer, he wins, and he literally says it. He says, <laughs> "Now what are we going to do?" Yeah, Whereas in Downhill Racer, right. it doesn't say it, but it's kind of left on the same note. Yeah, I think. Now that I've now that I've gotten this far. What's the plan? Right. There's no plan. And he has no plan, especially as any plan he might have had has been turned into just like dumb catchphrases. And there's a, a wonderful scene, too, where he's in the backseat of the car, just like repeating stuff to himself. Like, ladies and gents, the time has passed. The time has passed. Got to be a better way. I say to you, can't any longer. Oh, no. Can't any longer play off black against old. Young against poor. This country cannot house its houseless. Feed its foodless. They're demanding a government of the people. Peopled by people. Our faith, our compassion, our courage on the gridiron. The basic indifference that made this country great. And on election day, and on election day, we won't run away. Vote once, vote twice for Bill McKay. You middle-class honkies.
Politics and uh, how it doesn't mean anything. This is a great Richie. None of this means anything trilogy, which is also gonna. That's also gonna be smile and the bad news bears, right? Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. We'll get to talk about those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Peter Boyle again, another um, another great performance. Very very low key. A, a, a big. A big man, a big teddy bear kind of too, but always smart. And he has a plan. <laughs> and it was because he's kind of like a quiet, intelligent guy. That would have been a bit of against type casting for Peter Boyle at that time. Right. He was <laughs> yeah. pretty much like always a hard brute, like beforehand or like the friends of Eddie Coyle, that great Robert Mitchum movie. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so stuff like that. Or the movie Joe. Have you ever seen Joe? Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. That, like he definitely had a different kind of image and that, Part of why it's such a good performance is because it's not your typical Peter Boyle performance. He's really the ca- he's really the impetus for 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 the whole campaign, and and he just kind of lets it lets it flow. And yeah, Redford also very understated. He plays this kind of this every man who just kind of. I mean, he's on the side of right and justice, and, and politics is definitely not about that. Politics right, is about it, yeah. winning. <laughs> and I think that's like... And that's just not his speed, but yet when he finds himself, because of his populism, because of his unfiltered, you know, uh, and honesty. Honesty, like when he sure. says, Yeah, I don't like, know. I don't know. Or like, <laughs> sort Politicians of like, just don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just like comes out and states his position without like a bunch of kind of like, uh, you know, oh, we need to study this. Or I think there's a scene where Alan Garfield tells him, oh, you should say we need to study this or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Right. About that's abortion. Right. Is that the question? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else you want to mention about the candidate there? I wish I I wish I had seen it more recently than uh, than I have. Other than I can just say that it's just something you should check out uh, for sure, especially the midterms coming up and then. You know, um, it's just ele- it's always election time in America. Too. Sure. That's the other thing. Um, but yeah. And Richie captures that whole American. It's a uniquely American movie again. And there's a, a moment sort of where the, the kind of thesis statement of the movie comes directly from the mouth of Howard K. Smith, the newsman, who's also in Nashville delivering kind of a thesis statement. It's coming on now. Television I got it. commercial is a way of selling a product. A political candidate's bid for our votes is supposed to be a higher order of expression with moral implications for the kind of people we are and the kind we want to become. But increasingly in this country, candidates are merging the two, selling themselves like an underarm deodorant in commercials just long enough to pound in some mindless slogan that cheapens candidate and voter alike. But in the California Senate race, young Bill McKay was different. He conspicuously rejected the machine-type politics by which his father won office and fame and ran a campaign refreshing in frankness and directness. But now, with only a month to go, McKay's ways have visibly changed. Those early hard statements of his are turning into mush. Specific policies dissolve into old generalities. The Madison Avenue commercial has taken over as his standard means of persuasion. The voters are being asked to choose McKay the way they choose a detergent. Socko salesmanship, no moral considerations involved. 
Once again, it appears virtue is too great a strain for the long haul of the campaign. Well, as long as I've been around, uh, I've seen politics through television turn into being, it's covered like sports. Sure. Um, there's a draft and there's, you know, odds and there's, you know, it's what people say, how that, what they, you know, reactions to reactions, yeah, all yeah. kinds of craziness like that. Yeah. The take machine. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. Um, the debate scene also is like a good way of showing how just totally flattened McKay has become because Crocker Jarman is giving just bad answers, just like conservative <laughs> dipshit lie answers that you always hear. But McKay does the thing that a lot of Democrats do is give non-answers. He just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. just says absolutely nothing. Mr. McKay, your opponent has implied that you have nothing to say about crime. Do you? I have put out a five-point program on prevention and enforcement. Now, that program spells out in detail the training and equipment of the men who enforce the laws. And we must give them every means with which to handle crimes against person and property with speed, effectiveness, and safety. In addition, we've got to set forth the type of system that can stop crime before it has a chance to start. Senator Jarman? Well, of course, it's, it's very easy anyone to come into it at this time and say anything that might capitalize to to pretend that you have all the answers for a situation that you you may have helped encourage indirectly that is yeah that's where things starting to you, it starts to make you feel really uncomfortable right and that's actually i think redford's best acting in the movie is during that debate scene yeah because yeah, oh. he's really like he know he's sincere i guess but he's also just like doing what he's been told by now yeah yeah and that's a that's that's a it's a sight to watch him yeah. become a, a person and then a politician yeah that's that, a great, so that's a great great view of that good, good phrase there because yeah, yeah he goes from a person to just a, a politician son you're a politician before we talk about something else i do want to talk about um oh natalie what was in this movie that's something yeah we didn't mention that she's in there for a couple minutes as herself and she was that's an right. assistant on the movie too she worked with michael ritchie yeah i that's read that kind that, of a cool thing to that hear. is a cool thing yeah she was in the um I think she did crowd work too, where they said they disguised her really That's good. Right. Where they just need a warm body. Yeah, she's got disguises <laughs> on in a couple of different scenes. But the one, th the one thing that I also wanted to just read a little bit of some of the contemporaneous reviews of this movie mm -hmm. and how it seemed like it just seemed like the 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 sort of central joke of the movie flew past a lot of these people, like. Uh, from Wikipedia, this is Gary Arnold of the Washington Post. He called the film a remarkably shallow, hypocritical attempt to satirize the American political process. The problem with the filmmakers is that their disillusion is neither honestly felt nor dramatically demonstrated and earned. On the contrary, it feels merely a professional pose, a phony mask of bubble. So you get the picture of it. But does that seem like somebody who's just not understanding the movie? Yeah. It really well, does, right? It's a sailed right over his head. Yeah, uh, or the, here is... Uh, another interview at the time was from Film Quarterly, Robert Chapetta. Uh, Redford does poorly with the central dramatic element of the film. The real changeover from being a reluctant candidate to wanting so badly to win that he's willing to compromise himself. Redford never conveys any real desire to win. But what's way? It's more of like a slow erosion, right? Right, right, right. It's a systematic problem, too, where 
Yes. Where just just getting staying in the race. I mean, this obviously this two two outcomes. You either win or you lose. Mm-hmm. And staying in the race is yeah. That's not. Uh, I yeah. I don't get that review either. That's uh, pretty strange. Outside. Yeah. I mean that's inevitable. Um, that's the whole point of the movie. Right, it's, exactly. It seems like it's, a, it's inevitable. If it happened to him, it happened to anybody, and it's probably happened to everyone. That, it's and, the process itself is corrupting. It's like we're talking about power is in itself going to screw you up and exactly. things like that. Yeah, I think that's totally true. And you know what this guy Robert Trapetta seemed to be looking for is like an idealist selling himself out, but in reality, it's like a regular guy just being drawn, dragged down by uh, the inertia of the system, right? It, exactly. It seemed like he was looking for a different kind of movie. Um, uh, and, and that's... Uh, reviewers shouldn't be looking for any movie. Ex- good, exactly right. I think yeah. that's exactly a good point. Um, that's why I'm not a reviewer, I guess. Don't walk in with expectations is a good way to... <laughs> to like, one thing my dad will always do is he'll, like, before watching a movie, he'll, like, say, is this a comedy or a drama? Like, it's kind of both and it's just a movie don't try to walk in with any expectations like just walk just watch it i don't know i think like sometimes stuff like that walking in only wanting to see a certain thing is going to fuck up your enjoyment level uh, exactly i yeah. totally agree with that yeah. uh, uh okay so let's yeah. take a pause here because let's do that we need to hear a bump music or whatever we're yeah. doing push it to the movie. limit <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back Smile even though it's breaking When there are clouds in the sky You'll get by If you smile through your fear and sorrow Smile and maybe tomorrow You'll see the sun come shining through for you. Smile, though your heart is aching. And we're back. We're back. We're talking about uh, Smile, which was the movie that Richie made right after The Candidate. It was 1975, starring Bruce Dern, um, Barbara Feldon, Michael Kidd. Uh, and Jeffrey Lewis, Juliet Lewis's father, who plays the, uh, he plays, um, the, not the MC, but the head JC, the guy who runs the pageant. Oh, that, that's right. That really I, smug guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's I there. didn't catch that yeah. connection. They, that's a good one. That's, yeah. He's, he's really funny in the movie. Um, the movie's about a beauty pageant, the Young American Miss Pageant in Santa Rosa, California. And, uh, yeah, it was, what, what do we have yeah, to say yeah. about Smile? Oh, it's yeah. just, what can we say? It's a... Really a wonderful movie. A wonderful movie. And the fact that it was sort of lost... In the shuffle, it didn't open very well, and it's kind Fresno of Fresno and Rochester. <laughs> the yeah, only yeah, two cities yeah. in the country to open Rochester, it. Rochester, yeah. yeah, that's just so bizarre. It's such a wonderful film. It, it's uh, again, it's the Richie uh, American uh, competitive spirit, and mm-hmm. it's a small town like uh, Bruce Dern in the special features referred to. He said back then Santa Rosa was considered the sticks, and. It, it, and it's just got it's it's got so many uh, Annette O'Toole, Melanie Griffith, That's right, yep. um, um, Colleen Camp, all these all these girls. They who, all they all play the 
beauty pageant contestants. Contestants, yeah, yeah, the yeah contestants. there's a whole bunch of contestants yeah. from all over the state of California. Denise Nickerson of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory uh, is one of them, the yep. great Violet Beauregard, and also Colleen Camp, who's later in a bunch of movies. I love so Colleen really Camp. Really a bunch of people just getting their start in this movie. Um, I think that it's a great movie about America, like we were saying, and sort of like the the two-track mind that exists for most people <laughs> in America. It's like the uh, sort of optimism of Bruce Stern's character with then his uh, best friend played by Nicholas Pryor, who's more sort of dealing with the reality and yeah, have yeah. like, Oh geez, I wish I had, just wish I had stuck, better thoughts to say about this. But he's yeah. so stuck about, he was so stuck in, in, I got to get out of town. I'm depressed. He has a terrible, his wife is Barbara Feldon. Who's the pageant coordinator mm-hmm. or the, the, uh, whatever her title yeah, is. Yeah, she works with Bruce It's Stern. all she does, basically. It seems like her life is consumed by this pageant. Um, I, I love the, the scene between Nicholas Pryor. He, 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 he drinks too much and because she wa- she pulls away from him all the time. And they have a terrible marriage. And she, <laughs> a scene they do together where it's in their living room. And there's a painting of Barbara Feldon over the fireplace. So funny. I just and dropped the, out. The two Siamese glass cats <laughs> that he three kicks. <laughs> well, if Wilson can't get to the bottom of it, I'll get into it myself tomorrow. Listen, I've got to hang up now. Yeah, I'll talk to you in the morning. Bye-bye, Jack. Oh, Andy, I just had the rug shampooed. Piss on the rug. Okay, then we're just talking about moments in the movie that you're probably not going to be kidding if you haven't seen it. But what's, um, I mean, yeah, we'll spoil spoil it, obviously, as well. Uh, I feel like Bill McKay in the car, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just, it's another wonderful uh, close-up um, you know, tons of great close-up reaction shots, which is something that Michael Ritchie mm-hmm. has done in all of his movies. Very much so, that, yeah. Uh, that where you just feel like that's somebody you know is standing in the audience watching this happen. And, you know, the 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 pageant is real small towns. Uh, uh, they're interviewing all these girls in these awful hotel rooms, you know, with simulated wood grain, shitty carpeting, and just like, you know, like you were saying, like some kind of travel lot. A highway town. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know if that's a real term, but I always it, think of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it It is definitely, uh, Santa Rosa looks like a highway town, and they've got a, what's the name of the um, the fast food place there, which I love? Oh, Major Weenie. <laughs> Major Weenie. <Yeah>. When uh, <laughs> Paul Benedict from the Jefferson shows up for a second, and he's like... I always knew you were a big weenie. What the holy heck are you doing here? Haven't you just eaten lunch? Yeah, I'm just getting girl? a lunch for my embalmers. They don't like to go out. It takes them too long to uh, wash their hands. Andy, you stop all this talk about leaving That's town. Are you here more? Come on, can we get out of here? Andy, Andy. Hey, let's get paid for all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and uh, again, the the uh, the uh, the all American optimism, and the, all the girls are, you know, they all. Every interviewer, every girl says, I, I want to help people. You know, they either want to be a nurse or a teacher or, or, or I want to help people. And they all talk about each other as, you know, they're thrown into this. Mm-hmm. They don't know each other really, but they're all kind of the same age and the same background. And, and they all, we're all just friends. Yeah, this isn't but a competition. Yeah, no, yeah. this isn't a competition. Bullshit. It's a competition. Right. Well, I don't really think of it as a competition that, that much because we're all... We're, we all want to win, but not we're not really competing with each other. We're more friends. 
that's that Atul says that at one yeah, point and yeah. just laughs at the other character, Robin, who is sort of like the audience surrogate character for the movie, right? The right, sort of right, like right. the main character girl. Yeah. I don't have that actress name in front of me, which is unfortunate. I don't see. either. And she she was really good. I don't re- I don't remember her being prolific in her career, but she was really good. She was movie. really good. Hold she on. was the she was the candidate that gave you hope that mm-hmm. just an everyday person was going to win. Right. Now, if you just keep smiling, you can win. And it wouldn't hurt to mention once in a while that you have no father. And she had a shot. You know, that's the beauty of, uh, of America. Everybody's got a shot. And Bruce Dern, he's just priceless in this movie because he's Big Bob. He sells RVs. Yeah. And he's always saying, and If you're worried about credit, pal, forget it. We don't worry about it. Why should you? <laughs> you have to admit it's a heck of a safe feeling knowing you're sleeping on top of 50 gallons of gas. He's just got this great glad hander kind of shtick that is wonderful. And every time his friend, Andy, the Nicholas Pryor character, comes to sort of like speak about any sort of problems he's having, Bruce Dern just gives him these like dumb cliches. (laughs) It's very simple. All it takes is a drop more perseverance, a drop more optimism, and a drop more energy. Simple. The scene, the, the real scene where the movie's kind of like thematic message really clicked into focus for me is in the scene in the jail where Andy is talking to Bruce Dern. Uh, Andy got frustrated and shot his wife, but she was fine. You know, that was a really minor thing that happened in the movie. She didn't was, slow her down one day. Yeah. She's right there at the pageant right. the next day. That's right. She's right back at it. But the scene after Andy gets arrested for shooting his wife and uh, uh, Bruce Dern is talking to him and Andy, Andy says, Bob, I finally figured out what you are. You know what you are? A goddamn young American miss. <laughs> like, sort of, the implication being that all his sort of, like, glad-handy, smiley America advice is just empty, stupid nonsense. Right, and it's right out of a pageant contestant. Right, it's exactly. Just the, right out of the mouth of a 16-year-old girl. And there's a scene, too, that was also explicitly reminded me of The Candidate because when our friend Robin, the sort of audience surrogate character, is being interviewed by the panel, she gives a unique, honest answer about her love for playing the flute and how she enjoys it, you know, for herself and it's her passion, etc. Right. And Bruce Stern keeps kind of leading her down this road of, like, well, what do you think about the people who listen to the music? And she's like... Well, they're they're fine, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, doesn't it doesn't it make you feel happy? You know, he's, he's really trying to lead her into this anodyne kind of like service oriented answer, right? And right. and much like the candidate, it feels like a sincere person just being flattened out to a machine. <laughs> like it just just totally remove any individuality and and sort of real realness from a person. Yeah, yeah. yeah go for that two dimensional thing. And, and and so if 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 you want to make all these girls all the same, then what do you, what what makes them stand out? What is it? What is it? Is it because the talent competition? Oh my God! We were talking about you. You made the wonderful discovery about the band leader. Yes, that's right. The guy who plays the band leader is later in Fletch as Mister Underhill, the guy who Fletch is like constantly charging for shit at the club, <laughs> the steak sandwich, and a steak sandwich. <laughs> and he is just a great asshole. Just this real kind of angry looking dipshit, and uh, he's. Really funny is just like a surly musical director in this movie. He's yeah, constantly yeah, girl, throwing his baton yeah, at people. Yeah, the girl who forgets the lyrics, he's mouthing them to her, and then he throws his baton at her. Yeah, too much. The drummer it makes this really lewd 
uh, gesture, right? And that's and, the producer of the movie. And that's, right? yeah, it was a writer, oh. Jerry Belson. Okay. Yeah, Jerry Belson played the drummer, who also wrote the script. Uh, yeah, that, that just kills me. Um, and and uh, and Mike Ritchie also in the end gets credit for the lyrics to some of the original music, which That's I'm right. assuming is the empresario or MC singing. An all-American girl, you see, she's all an American girl should be. With an inner beauty, she shines bright with a sense of duty here tonight. She'll wear her crown with love and respect. She's our young American girl elect. American girl, you see, she's all an American girl should be. Really just excellent stuff. But that MC character is also very funny. He's got a couple of these, like, just like lines that are so so funny and dumb like when he take when he takes that last year's winner joanne oh yes don't they get lovelier every year <laughs> aren't we all lovely yeah. <laughs> but uh, what a bruce Dern point out he's like when he he's singing goodbye joanne like she's yeah, dying yeah. or something yeah, yeah. and so apparently that that joanne was a real beauty pageant contestant she was crying during that and bruce just... said it wasn't prompted that was just her reaction <laughs> Another character in this movie I want to talk about, who I really like a lot, is played by Michael Kidd, the choreographer of the beauty pageant, mm. uh, named Tommy French is the character. And he sort of blows in, and you think he's going to be just this kind of arrogant, kind of seen-it-all dipshit who kind of doesn't treat the girls nice. And that's sort of how it seems in the first couple scenes. But ultimately, he is, like, the only human in the movie, the only <laughs> one who doesn't exist in this machine. Him and Andy, I guess. Right. Because Well, Andy does what he wants out. Right. You know, he yeah. just is not, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, some parts with this character, Michael French, uh, or Tommy French, rather, like, he's the only one who uh, cares about the actual girl's safety, like the whole bit about the ramp at the end, where um, Jeffrey Lewis's character, the guy who actually runs the pageant, is putting, uh, we don't want to take out the ramp because it would limit the golden, the golden circle members, and then... (laughs) Right, 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 Mm. yeah, and, and... And the girl wipes out. Yeah, Michael Kidd is a, he's just got this kind of hard nosed kind of he's you know, he's a paid choreographer. He's also not the original he's not the one who'd done it for the last couple That's of years. Right, yeah. So he's kinda of comes in cold and uh yeah, he's very brusque and, and but he's funny as hell. It's just, and he is an actual choreographer, like Bruce Stern says in the extras, he said, When Bob Fosse doesn't win, Michael Kidd wins. Right. You know, the Tonys. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, I I like him a lot in that movie. He's not really an actor, you see what I'm saying. He's just a choreographer yeah, and a, yeah. like a Broadway guy who won a bunch of Tonys, which is really cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And 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 the Americana aspect of this movie and the competition aspect and it's about losing. That's right. The, you know, it's about learning to lose uh, uh that which I think is another bad news bears kind of a yeah. little league reference. It's weird. Or like like we're like in the bat, yeah, it's sort of like the person who ends up winning the pageant was not a character. It's just this all random girl that we had never seen before. Right, right. And, and they never focused on her through the whole movie. Yeah. And suddenly she's the winner. That's pretty great because, and, and that's why I say it's the none of this means anything trilogy. <laughs> that's right. The real vapid hollowness of this American advice, these American traditions like beauty pageants or election, and how it's all 
fake. Yeah, <laughs> it's all power of positive thinking bullshit. Power it of is. positive thinking is exactly <laughs> that's what Bruce Stern's character is very reminds me of. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's accessories. It's uh, that's the grin. Uh, the the if, you work, if, you, if you worked in corporate America, they have all these these. Uh, these positive motivation posters, you know, yeah, they're and, terrible, uh, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you drink at the bottom of your coffee says, uh, you're a winner. Yeah. Shit like that. Uh, and I, I bring that up because, um, I, a, a guy decided that he hated them so much he realized that half of the company he worked for also hated him. So he came up with the antithesis of that where uh, it's just about failure. You're right. You're right. And you know, when your best just isn't good enough, you know, and, which is, I think, a and, healthier message than the one that we have. Yeah, sort yeah, of like toxic optimism. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it, it's 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 ground in reality at right. least. You know, and the funny thing is, then you don't end up like Andy when you think like that. That's right. Right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Poor Andy is right in, he's in limbo where he's just like, got to get out of here. And and Bruce Dern convinces him to go to this, uh, I still don't know what it's that. Order of the chicken, some kind yeah, of. Yeah, they got a, a, yeah. Kiss the ass of a chicken thing. It's guys who wear robes. Kind, kind of looks like the Klan. A like little, little Klan, yeah, but it's, but it's, it's just. Um, juvenile nonsense. They're smashing eggs on each other's heads. They're getting drunk. It's just an excuse to turn reality <laughs> the, the off. The one guy's it. like, Our club has spent a lot of time and money trying to help these young people become responsible adults. Watermelon in the face. <laughs> so funny. Very silly. Very silly. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Let's see. And that's. That's where, uh, you know, where Andy goes off the rails. But you'll have right. to watch that because that's... And again, like you've discovered, you've been looking for this movie for a long time. Oh, yeah. And it was Hard only just recently on Blu-ray. By this company called Fun City Editions, which releases all sorts of cool previously unseen movies. Um, there's a movie with George Siegel they just put out. I called, uh, uh, what is it? Born to Win or Born to Lose, something like that. He plays hmm. a junkie in Manhattan, and it's... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, young Robert De Niro is in it, like, before Taxi Driver. Um, I don't know. It was just put out. I'd like to see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never cool. heard of it. Yeah. I'd love me, to see it myself. Yeah, but yeah, George Eagle, great actor. But this company puts out a lot of cool things. Um, they have a label called Vinegar Syndrome, which is a lot of horror and B and, and like, uh, drive-in type stuff. Mm, and, my, my favorite. Yeah, you would absolutely love it. You should look up Vinegar Syndrome. It's absolutely something you would like. <laughs> I'm taking notes right yes. now. Yes. Um, Bruce Stern's son, uh, the Lil, Lil Bob. You recognize him? Yeah, I, I do, and I can't remember why. The Poseidon Adventure. Oh, that's yeah, it. God damn it. I was, that was driving me nuts because I didn't, I didn't do my homework and I didn't check his name. Eric Shea is his name, Eric and Shea. I immediately think oh there he is side adventure um that that was like somebody pointing out um the vic morrow um son catcher or pitcher in, in uh in was brandon cruz who was a uh, courtship of eddie's father oh really yeah i think i gotta i may be wrong about that but vic i think morrow slaps yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. and then refused to throw the ball uh, yeah. yeah it's just a great that's great. also a, yeah well i guess we'll move on to that in a couple minutes because it's another great movie yeah, it's another great movie. um but yeah, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about? I do want to talk about the Young American Miss t-shirts that say experience on it. <laughs> Looks like an old like uh, uh, Virginia Slim logo or something. But I, I try to find them online you because know, I love old movie t-shirts like uh, Cannibal Run or stuff like that. Yeah, I couldn't find it. I kept getting like American Girl brand. <laughs> That's not what I want. Uh, no. I want. 
Somebody's missing out not making that T-shirt. Yeah, if I, you're think, listening. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's right. If you guys are Smile fans, uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you watch this movie, you'll be a fan of it for sure. Yeah, it's I just, think so. Uh, and Bruce Dern is just, uh, you know, it, it's like, it, it also has a life goes on kind of American feel to it too because uh, whereas Downhill Racer, it's like, okay, you, you, you've done what you came to do. A candidate, you've you done what you came to do, and that the smile has that kind of feeling too. You've done what you came to do. You didn't. Not everybody wins, you know. But uh, the the girl, Robin, Robin yeah. driving home is laughing, laughing at her stern. Yeah, that she's she's things. learned her lesson. Like right. It's, yeah, yeah. It's kind of beautiful. Like, what are you worried about credit for? We don't worry about credit. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah it's a really great ending she's laughing at bruce dern like she sees that none of this meant anything yeah, <laughs> she, yeah, yeah, yeah. she gets that it was all just superficial silliness and um i guess you know there might be more we want to talk about but i think like a good place to end it right now before we move on to bad news bears is with the song the title song which is sung by nat king cole and written by charlie chaplin and the line in it which kind of i think is a good summary for the whole movie is smile though your heart is aching <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's the whole movie for you. I know that sums it up. Yeah. It's a great movie. You definitely should check absolutely, it out. Absolutely, absolutely. Maybe uh, somebody will stream it and get off their ass and stream it. I, you know, it's something that it is really one of my favorite movies at this point. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, yeah. Released the same month as Nashville, I guess, which might also be responsible for how well, it, I can see that happening. Yeah. Kind of got lost in the shuffle because they do also have sort of similar eyes for things and like yeah, the yeah. Americana tapestry sort of deal. That's funny. You brought up Altman because when I, I, as I was thinking about this this trilogy, oh, there's the ice cream truck. Uh, well, you might hear him in the background. There he is. <laughs> um, the the the. It reminds me of of uh, California Split. Mm-hmm. The end of that movie. How does how's the end of that movie? I don't remember. Um, George Siegel has has hocked everything he owns to get into this super huge card game in Reno or some kind of yeah. a little bit out there. Out, it is Reno, I think. Vegas. Yeah. And it's these high roller cowboys and businessmen types. And he has a big score, has a great, great table. And, and uh, he's sitting there and it's Altman's kind of, he just zooms in so excruciatingly slow over like a minute and a half. And he's just sitting there and there's all this, ruckus going on in the background and Elliot Gould goes up to him and he says it doesn't mean anything does it <laughs> that is a really cool movie yeah I watched that with Jack not too long ago maybe four or five months ago but yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't remember the ending but yeah it is yeah. a really cool movie yeah that it's that it's that vibe Great it's, American it's, Losers yeah, I guess. It's, yeah, yeah exactly. that can be its own its own sort of subgenre it's just the Great American Loser movie <laughs> and then uh, we'll move on to talk about what might be one of the quintessential of that genre uh, Michael Ritchie's next picture The Bad News Bears from 1976 so yeah. now we're going to play the music <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break yeah. for a second. And we're back. Bad News Bears, though. 1976, the year after Smile. Sort of, this one is the, you know, it really fits in that trilogy with The Candidate and Smile, I think, as, like, 
just sort of uh, uh, presenting these like real kind of wholesome all-American seeming things that are like so fundamental, whether it's Little League or beauty pageants or even like the election process and just kind of making fun of them and exposing how sort of hollow and nothing they actually are. Yeah, and how, how awful the system is. How awful the system is, exactly yeah, right. it's an awful system. Yeah. And uh, the, the sort of, even the guy who is um, sort of, who hires Walter Matthau to be the coach of the team is like a sort of dipshit congressman. Like, even just that character. You ever yeah, hear like a, that guy's awful. It's yeah. just, uh, and they talk about an empty suit. You know my son, Toby, right? Hi, Bud Wicker. This little guy is going to be a great ball player, aren't you, son? No, I really appreciate this. It's just a damn shame that none of the fathers had the time for it. God knows if I wasn't so busy down sitting here. You got my check, Whitewood? Check. Uh, son, why uh, don't you get your bike off the car? Right? Yeah. That's a good boy. Wow, I thought we were going to be quiet about the money. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's going to be rough, Buttermaker. You just got one week to the first game. I wanted to introduce you to some of the administrators, but you were late. And I don't know the time. You forgot to sign the check. Check is not signed. Oh. Hells, right. Yeah, and, and, you know, he wants the the congressman who pays Walter Matthau, who's a minor league, um, you know, uh, drunk. That guy pounds more beers in that movie. It's just amazing. The very he doesn't beginning, care what brand the, it is. That's what, I wrote that down too. He <laughs> drinks all the brands, which is kind of rare. You normally like you're gonna have your Millers or your Buds, but no, yeah. he's got all of them. He also puts Jim Beam in his Budweiser yeah. at one point oh, in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, oh, spilling it all over the armrest <laughs> of that, that shitty convertible he's driving around. He's turned it into a pool. Uh, he's a pool man. Yeah. The pool cleaner in the back of the car. Trunk is open full of... I got pools to clean. <laughs> and is he great. You're not supposed to have open liquor in the car. It's against the law. So is murder, Engelberg. Now put that back before you get me into real trouble. <laughs> Just dry. Dry as a bone. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, hound dog, deadpan, yeah, Walter like, thousand national treasure. Specifically the moment when... He's first meeting the team, and he's introduced to all the kids, and he's, like, trying to talk to the two Spanish kids, and he's like... I think my dad said something about saying that these two boys were Mexican. They don't speak any English. And the camera... Michael Ritchie just cuts to Walter Matthau for a good, like, ten seconds, just with the funniest <laughs> fucking look on his face as the the music from the opera Carmen begins to play, which is all over Bad News Bears. It's sort of like the, the score to the movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're they're just these kids are just have bad. some of the coolest t-shirts I've ever seen. Oh some yeah, of the kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, one kid's got like a Henley shirt, but it's got a can of Budweiser on the side of it. <laughs> it looks awesome. I, I think I wrote down like, a couple of different shirts that these kids were wearing <laughs> like what do we got here um casting is magnificent yeah it is. Yeah. fenton and feinberg right the 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 all-time greatest yeah uh um the the and you know the the fact that the congressman who pays him to be a coach and says uniforms hey white one what's this crap about uniforms what do you mean crap I've been meaning to ask you if you You're got paying it. me to coach. 
You told me I'd be coaching some kids just a couple of hours a day. Now, I got a lot of pools to clean. Right, listen, listen. I can't be out Butter looking maker. for uniforms. There's one scene where Matthew goes to talk to him at, like, a city council meeting, and he's got uh, pictures of Martin Luther King and John F. Kennedy at his desk, and it just, like, of course this fucking guy is going to, like, try to sound, like, try to, like, co you know what I mean? Like, just, yeah, this yeah, kind of, like, co-opting co yeah. actual, like, progressivism and just yeah. is a dipshit. Like, and of he's course he's going to do total that. Total dipshit. Yeah. yeah. He tries to shut the whole thing down at some point, and, and uh, Matt, that won't let him do it. I love Matt, that when he, when he goes to meet the guy in his office, he's got a sport coat on and this <laughs> shirt, this hideous shirt, and the collar is turned up. It, it might have been an accident, I'm imagining, and they said, you got to make sure your collar's turned because it's just sticking out of the right side. It's just so nebbish, uh, not nebbishy, but schlubby kind of. Sure. He's just like such a. He's just got a cooler of beer in the back of this. 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 It's an old Cadillac, I think. Yeah, he's I got, think it yeah. is an old caddy. Right away, a kid busts his windshield. It's busted through the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, we'll talk about his Cadillac. It's another thing I, I, about. Cars as an element of character, sort of within the production design. That politician's character, who we don't remember, he drives a Ford Granada, which is this car that's like a real 70s uh, malaise icon. Right? Yeah, and it's, good catch. It's sort of like luxury appointments on a shitty car. <laughs> so it's like a politician, smooth talker, who's actually an empty suit. Like, it's, he, he is the Ford Granada, his character. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I thought uh, of that perfect. as well. Yeah, it just kind of caught into my mind. And then, you know, there's the kid, the, the juvenile delinquent who's always riding Kelly Lee. Kawasaki yeah, yeah, or through right. the infield during opening day. He was played by uh, Jackie Rohaley, who is uh, now a guy who was in Watchmen. He played Rorschach in Watchmen, and he was Oscar-nominated for a movie called Little Children that I've not seen. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, because you... There's so many kids. Some went on and some didn't, I guess. They're but. all so funny, though. Each one has got, like, a great personality. Yeah, Like, yeah. the kid Tanner is always yelling at everybody. <laughs> He's got... And then at the end of the movie, he wears a Made in the USA shirt. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the production design is one of my favorite things in this movie. The things like cars and clothes and, you know, beer cans and stuff. It's so finally observed Vic Morris tracksuit that oh, he wears God. is yeah, so excellent. short shorts it's just too funny he's just such an asshole too. great character in that movie yeah. yeah he really embraces that and he's just so he's just horrific it's just like the worst kind of authority figure yeah just like uh, an abusive father but like kind of a and he abuses the whole team right. the and, same way he abuses his kids. And it's he's awful. also kind of like a darker version of Bruce Stern from Smile and that he speaks in like these all-American platitudes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. winning. Very, uh, just yeah, all winning, winning, winning. winning. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, and when you don't, when you don't, uh, you know, you're clearly thrown out. It's like you didn't hustle hard enough. Yeah. And like, it's just no... Just, you can't win, right? You cannot yeah. win, right? Real bootstrap kind of guy. Yeah, real Nazi. Yeah. I bet he, yes, absolutely. <laughs> hey, Turner. Yeah. Time. What do you say we call this Time thing off? This is getting ridiculous, okay? Well, they're going to call it off in 15 minutes anyway, so let me give you a little advice. Uh, let your team stay out there. That way they'll be able to say they didn't give up and you won't make quarters out of it. I'm calling this off right now. I was just thinking of your boys out there. That's what the I'm hell saying. you were. The hell I wasn't. Look, what I saw out there today made me sick, you know that? Your team has no right being on that field. Look at yourself, Butterworth. Look at that team. I mean, why don't you do this league a favor? You and the Bears just drop out. I mean, I mean, just 
just drop out. Vic Morrow, uh, of course, uh, a very good actor who's unfortunately most known for being the guy who got killed in the Twilight Zone accident. Yeah, yeah that's... Which is a great movie, uh, but that's creepy as fuck. Yeah, that is creepy awful. Yeah, really yeah Vic Morrow awful. was very big in TV early on, and he, he translated that into a into a to a nice tidy little film career. I think he's very funny in Bad News Bears. Yeah, he really that role stood out to me a lot. Yeah, that and that guy. was against type for him mm-hmm. too. Yeah, he's just not. It was just a perfect casting. Yeah, he's really good. Um, and uh, that you know, and and again, the message is, uh, you know, it, and Walter Matthau starts to kind of fall into that. That mm-hmm. kind of, you know, turning into a big foghorn leghorn like a, kind a, of a bigfoot kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, and just a you know starting to turn into an asshole, and he and he catches himself. He pivots off of it. Yeah, yeah, it's like just go out there and do your best. Yeah. Um, when he first meets the, uh, or when he first runs into the Tatum O'Neill character uh, Amanda on the down the highway, and she's selling maps, and she's saying things like, "Buttermaker, I said I wasn't interested." There's nothing to be afraid of. I'm not. A- I'm just through with all that tomboy stuff. Baseball's not tomboy stuff. It's your country's national pastime. It's healthy. It's a lot healthier than sitting around here on a stupid street corner selling dumb maps to a bunch of ignorant hicks. Look at that gut on you. I beg your pardon. There's an ounce of fat on me. Well, there will be if you keep sitting around here. This is sure a lousy job you got. It ain't lousy. Half the state of Iowa came by last week. Cleared 85 bucks. Bet it's more than you make. You saving any of that money? Of course I am. What are you going to do with it? Going to get braces. I'm going to be taking ballet lessons pretty soon. I'm I'm going to be a model. Well, now we're getting somewhere. I'll tell you what. You come and pitch a few games for us. I'll pay for the modeling thing and the ballet lessons. Can't do anything about the braces because that's big money. But I'm making you so dumb. Those boys aren't very rough. You won't get hurt. That's got nothing to do with it. I'm almost 12 and I'll... I'll be getting a bra soon. Well, maybe in a year or so. I can't be playing no dumb baseball. Oh, I don't want to do baseball anymore. I want, like, she wants to do more girly things. And I was thinking, like, I bet in four years she's going to be a Young American Miss. Ah, perfect. Yeah, I just thought of that. Because she's talking about being a model. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. I just, it's... In my yeah. head, it's like, she's a future Young American Miss. That's perfect. Yeah. Ballet lessons, yeah, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, she was she was really good. Yeah, our, our, a fan of our podcast, Miss Tatum O'Neill. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah, I that's really died cool. So if you're listening, Tatum, you're great. We love you. We love you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh-huh. In this, in this film, she really has got, you know, she's got that, that uh, she's just got that tough vibe. She's a tough girl. Yeah. Uh, and... I, I love that it says that she worked out with a pitching coach. Is that right? And did cool. a lot of her own pitching, actually, which, you know, and like they pointed out, in most movies, you just don't have that happening. Of course, yeah. I would imagine um, it's just they shoot around it most yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah other, than a couple of, other than a couple of scenes, it's her, her throwing the ball, which That's is cool. cool. That's yeah. really cool, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's great. Um, That's method, right? That's absolutely method. <laughs> the end of the movie where um, the kid calls his shot and then bunts, isn't that also in Major League? Doesn't uh, Tom Berenger do oh, that? Oh, I don't know. That, that's that's a good question. I, I haven't seen Major thing. League in years. Yeah. But I don't know. It just crossed my mind because that's, I think, the greatest 
filmed sporting event ever is the final <laughs> game in Major League. It's just so well written. And actually, the and, and it, a game at the end of Bad News Bears is like also pretty good in that. Yeah, part. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing that Michael Ritchie does really well is he captures. He captures actual action seamlessly, and you know there's just so many setups and there's so many, so many shots. You know the the kid in uh, the kid in right field who um, all of his brothers and cousins are all super athletes, oh, yeah. and he's not, and and just him missing the ball a whole bunch of times and climbing a tree in his underwear and having to be talked down. That reminds me of Catch-22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really that was really funny. Head. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a great scene, too, where he's talking about Hank Aaron, and he's like, yeah, Hank Aaron's 42 errors. Ask anybody. It's common <laughs> yeah, knowledge. common knowledge. Yeah. Total bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Reverse psychology. It's a and that's a funny thing. Is Matthau is his character is he's very plainly a, just a loser. Yeah. I mean, he's just a drunk. Uh, you know, and his platitudes actually are uplifting. And coming from him, he's like, I know, I know, I'm an asshole, and I yeah. know I'm a loser. And I, I'm a drunk, and I, th- I when I wrote it for Letterbox, I described it as like. They're always punching up when they fall down. <laughs> sort of a good way. To, That's a good one. Because yeah. they're 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 born to lose and they know it, but they don't care. They're just a having a really fun time yeah. and sticking it to the man. So that's yeah. what it's all about, right? And yeah. and the other thing, the other aspect I was thinking about that movie is is getting paid to do that, right? And being how it was being so selected. That's like the candidate is the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, somebody just comes up to you and says, "Hey, I need you to coach a little league team. Hey, I need you to run." <laughs> You and know. much like with Bill McKay and the candidate, he ends up getting into it way more than he, he ends, it basically ends up being way more work than he thought it would be. <laughs> right, right, right. And, but he's not going to back out of it. Mm-hmm. He's just, you know, he's not that kind of, he's not that kind of guy. No. Uh, and he, he likes the kids. They really became like friends with him. Yeah, over, yeah. Over yeah. pretty course of the movie. Yeah. Uh, they had some great fake names for him. The kids call them like uh, like Butterworth, Buttercrud, <laughs> Boilermaker. They like, call them all kinds of funny shit. I wrote all those down. Um, I love that stuff. Oh, here we go. I did. I told you about the the t shirts that uh, the kids were wearing. Yeah, here, I found okay. it here. This is what I wrote. There was the Budweiser Henley thing. There was a Coors shirt. There was a KFC shirt. <laughs> and then the one fat kid just had a shirt that said, "I'm available." <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm available. Yeah, that kid, um, that kid was great. He reminds me of uh, of um, the catcher in the Sandlot, who's also yeah, an oversized 100%. kid. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that was almost like intentionally done. Yeah, yeah, yeah it feels yeah. very much like that. Yeah, you can't lose to that. Yeah, that uh, fat kid is the catcher. <laughs> it's a <laughs> golden trope. Yeah, time honored tradition. Yeah, and wildly American. <laughs> well, yes, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> certainly. Which certainly. again, uh, Michael Ritchie, you know, again capturing that we can't say it enough. He has this. He has this uniquely American uh, thing. These little ecosystems of. I mean, and, and, you know, it's funny opening day. I, I've unfortunately coached a lot of little league myself and, uh, never had a marching band and they had a marching band in this one, which <laughs> yeah, is really funny. I mean, funny. it was just a big fucking deal. And it, it and it was, a, it reminded me of like the, you know, uh, young American miss mm-hmm. thing where it's just pomp and circumstance and just like, no. this is a real event, yeah. you know? And, and, I don't know where Bad News Bears is held, but it's in Los Angeles, It is right? in Los Angeles, so, yeah. But it still has a kind of a small town feel. Well, but, because they talk about how there are, like, 
40 different leagues and this is just one of them. This is just one yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, up here is the same. Down here is the same thing where it's just, uh, oh, God. So many coaches. All the coaches down here are all lawyers, ambulance chasers. Yeah. That's what most people yeah, seem and to be I, in South Florida. I wonder what Vic Morrow is because he had the same kind he of... He did. Or like a heart surgeon or something. Yeah, yeah, some kind yeah. of dipshit surgeon. Some kind of asshole. Yeah. Just like... I love the sponsor is Chico's Bail Bonds. That's that's the Bad News Bears sponsor. Did you notice what Vic Morrow's Yankees team was sponsored by? Denny's. Denny's. Yeah. You know what Denny's also sponsored? The Young American Miss Pageant. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, I didn't catch it that. Absolutely that's did. beautiful. Yeah, Another of, thread. Of course, like the, the Yankees team uh, and the Young American Miss Pageant are in the same sort of psychic space for Michael Ritchie. So yeah. the fact that they're both sponsored by Denny's feels very unpleasant. <laughs> Very, very. It's um, I we uh, drove by with one of my best friends by our old high school, and there was a there was a place that was on it was on the edge of the road and the field, and I guess it was just a small plot of land. There's a little building that was called the Optimist Club. Bruce Dern mentions that, right? The Optimist yeah. Club. What a great name. Bruce Dern says that to Andy. You stop going to the Optimist. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I did not think was real. <laughs> it's real, absolutely. It's like Junior Kiwanis, you know. Yeah. It's just the guys like the met JCs, for, they the say. JCs, yeah, sure. exactly. Um, yep. Yeah, it's yeah. I love it, the I love the synergy between these movies, especially. Candidate Smile and Bad News Bears. It's, yeah. it, it's absolutely a trilogy, as far as I can see. It's it's amazing, and they were all, uh, you know, they were all um, fairly like small budgeted movies. Yeah, know, yeah, and they all did really well, and yeah. you know, they succeed as as the, they they succeed well as films. I mean, I don't know that Michael Ritchie had. Uh, what kind of dud movies did he ever make? I well, don't know. Well, when he goes. His career does. I think the Bad News Bears is the last of like these classic Michael Ritchie movies because after this point he seems to direct like almost more like a hired gun. He's just like taking random comedies or anytime yeah. there's a sports movie like Goldie Hawn, uh, uh, Wildcats, or the Burt Reynolds movie Semi Tough. Anytime there's a sports movie, he goes, he comes in because he's great at directing action. We've seen yeah. that already. He's very good at that. Very good at that. So it seems like he just kind of found a niche as the sports movie guy later in his career mm. and. Uh, also made the Survivors, which is an excellent movie. Oh, I love yeah, Survivors. Survivors is another Mathow. Yeah, good Robin word. Williams. Yeah, yeah, that's a wonderful movie. If we were to talk about six movies, the Survivors would <laughs> probably be the sixth one. Um, Coach of the White Sox, who forfeits? You recognize him? Yes, I do, yeah. and I and I didn't look him up. I was bad. I was a bad boy. I did not look him up, but I recognize him right away. He is uh, George Weiner, is the actor uh, probably most famous for Colonel Sanders and Spaceballs. Oh, hell yeah. But in the Richie verse, he is also Fletch's wife's lawyer, and he's the guy next to Andy at the chicken ceremony. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So that's just another thing. He's just, yeah, yeah. The, 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 what would you call that? The stable? Utility actor, player, stable. yeah. And the guy, William Trailer, who played Mr. Underhill, was also probably, you got to be one of those guys that Richie knew. Yeah, yeah. You can always count on him. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, bad news bears. If you catch it, um, easy to find. Yeah, you, you yeah, know, yeah. I think I bought it for five, four or five dollars on Amazon, and it's uh, it's you know worth buying because you're gonna want to watch it probably m many times. It's yeah, really yeah. And uh, like a lot of movies of the '70s, like that, they're so filled with strange details, like production design and costumes and stuff like that, that you really can just get a different experience watching it every time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Great point. Cool. 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 Yeah. 
right, Fletch. We are rolling. Bit Fletch. By bit, man, it you know the song, the great yeah, Fletch yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Bit by bit, one way or It's just so 80s. It's, yeah, the the whole score is synthesizer, isn't it? it the, did, did, it's yeah, Carol yeah, Faltemeyer, yeah. who also did Beverly Hills Cop, which is sort of the same type of score. It's the right? same type of score. Similar. That theme that sort of, that, that the, the rhythm of that in the movie doesn't always work for me, but um, because it's like, it's almost like it's got too much of a cop movie vibe for yeah. me. And he's a reporter and he's not a cop. A lot but... of the movie has a cop movie vibe. Yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah. it almost, I mean, Fletch is adapted from a series of novels, I guess, um, mm. by a guy named Gregory McDonald. So he was a reporter, but it does feel to me like it, he almost should be like a private eye in the way the movie kind of plays out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not but... that that's a bad thing, but it's just. Uh... It's still a very funny movie. Very funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chevy Chase said that it was the one movie he felt like he got to be himself, which is which is interesting because maybe there's a little bit of riffing in it. Uh, we were talking earlier off off mic about uh, uh, some of the other comedies he's been in that feel real blocky television, like this, like you know the script is just blocked out. Mm -hmm. all the, all the, you stand here, you stand here, and the camera's here, and let's go. It's, the the director is more interested in just like kind of phoning it in almost yeah getting yeah, sure. it let's get, get it done yeah. it's, it's like a lot of tv shows you got to do one a week and it's almost like doing we're going to do this movie in a week it's just like that's that just kind of like the one we were talking about was seems like old times yeah the one we yeah. Were talking about with yeah that Lawrence. feels very blocked out mm -hmm. to me i think yeah i think you're probably right um but fletch no fletch has got a uh fletch has got a good uh it's in, yeah, um, it's interesting you say about Chevy Chase liking to work on this movie, which, you know, he later on made a couple more movies with Richie. He made the movie Fletch Lives, which is the very bad sequel to Fletch, and he <laughs> made the very bad Cops and Robertsons, which is, like, a pretty fucking unforgivable thing, uh, unfortunately. But, uh, 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 you know, that's... Uh, <laughs> later on you know but it shows that like they clearly enjoyed each other working with each other chevy chase felt comfortable just really giving the full chevy in these movies yeah. <laughs> yeah. and he does in fletch and Fle that's really that Fle that movie is really like the first uh well is that the first full chevy i don't well, know he's pretty much full chevy and caddyshack but he's a smaller role he's not yeah, in every yeah. single scene of the movie. I, I, i've seen the extras of caddyshack where he says it's really billy's movie yeah sure um but yeah, he's yeah. I guess that I guess you're right. Those two probably really are are the most uh, heavy Chevy. Uh, yeah, I think I, mean, I think Chevy is somebody we could even talk about later on down the line. Do five films of Chevy Chase oh, yeah. because I I spent about two weeks last year just running through most of his filmography, and it's kind of like interesting. Like there's stuff in it like Nothing But Trouble, the Dan Aykroyd movie, which yeah yeah, yeah I remember like, that. That's look, really yeah, bizarre. Very strange movie, kind of almost like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Almost, like <laughs> weird weird. It's like Bonfire of the Vanities meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that well, uh, yeah, I told you, I told you too about uh, about Deal of the Century, which I thought was uh, Billy Friedkin. amazing. Yeah, have, that's one I have not watched. And when you said how, how does Chevy Chase and 
Billy Friedkin even work together. Clash on the set. They'd just be two real just obnoxious guys. And the funny thing is, is the the best part of that movie is Gregory Hines. It's just priceless. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Chevy Chase, Fletch. Uh, I'd like to watch that one. Fletch is uh, is is the the anonymous newspaper reporter Jane Doe. Jane Doe, who uh, is on a is on a doing a story about. Uh, drugs on the beach and it turns into being a much bigger thing uh tim matheson of animal house is uh is is the classic super handsome and bad he, guy he tim matheson animal house played otter and he, the first original choice to play otter was chevy chase really yeah so and you can see how they could kind of both fit that same role like they kind of just like Handsome, smarmy guy who's tall. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you kind yeah. of both be that, which yeah, in, interesting fact. Talk you right out of your pants. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, yeah, I didn't take as many notes in this movie just because I sort of, kind of just hung out and watched it. I, it that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not. I don't think like there's not as much to talk about other than just the funny lines because it's kind of a trifle of a movie, right? You know, yeah, compared to yeah. Some of the other ones. I, I remember texting you saying that I'm I'm glad it wasn't as fluffy as I sort of remember. Yeah, I, I remembered it being like actually, yeah, I'm in the same boat. It was less fluffy than I remember it, but it's still kind of fluffy. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's just an excuse for Sherry Chase to say funny stuff and he does yeah. say a lot of funny stuff. Um, such as when he's talking to the doctor played by Evan at Wall. One of my favorite <laughs> of my lines favorite there. Guys. Now, how long have you had these pains, Mr. Barber? Now, that's Babar. Two Bs? One B. B-A-B-A-R. That's two. Yeah, but not right next to each other. I thought that's what you meant. Arnold Babar. Isn't there a children's book about an elephant named Babar? I don't know. I don't have any. No children? No elephant books. <laughs> and then when he's with Kenneth Mars' secretary, uh, what does he say about... I'm sorry, who are you again? I'm Frida's boss. Who's Frida? My secretary. It's just a lot of funny lines. They're... It's not as Dr. Rosenrosen, Dr. Rosenpenis. <laughs> there's not really much else to talk about other than the funny lines. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> not much. I you mean, got Jodon Baker showing up for a little bit as the corrupt chief of police. I guess he's somebody to talk about. Yeah, he, he is somebody that uh, I, I remembered seeing him in Fletch thinking, ah, I just watched uh, Charlie Barrick, which is a Walter Matthau vehicle. Oh, I haven't seen that. Vehicle. That's um, Don... Um, is it Don Siegel? Siegel. Yeah, sure. It's a Don Dirty Siegel. Harry. Yeah, yeah. and Body Joe, Snatchers. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Don is the bad guy in that movie. Cool. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's in a couple James Bond movies also. He plays two different characters in James Bond in different movies. He plays a villain and also a CIA contact of James. Wow. I don't remember him in James Bond at all, but I, and I'm, no, I'm, I'm a Sean Connery guy. So, yeah, he's... Yeah. He's later on. I'm, I'm and George Lazenby. Let's not forget with, yeah, of course. Aussie George himself. <laughs> we got five films from George Lazenby. Do you think there are any? Do you think there are five? <laughs> I don't know. I, I know. He's in Gettysburg, and he's in Under Majesty's Secret Service. We were talking about uh, John Landis, <laughs> and I remember that Kentucky Fried Movie had <laughs> this running great. gag where George Lazenby and, and some actress... Are, are facing each other in this profile shot in the back is like flames and chaos and leave her come back to montana with me i can no sooner run away from her than myself i'm not asking you to run i'm asking you to face reality reality yours or mine my reality and yours that's who's what are you saying leave her come back to montana with me i 
can no more run away from her than I can run away from myself. I'm not asking you to run. I'm asking you to face reality. Whose reality? Yours or mine? My reality and yours. That's whose. What are you saying? But yeah, I don't know that he's made more than three movies. Yeah, he's not in... I think he's in... What is that? Uh, like the French softcore porn series that's like been going on since the set? Emmanuel? Emmanuel. He's, he's in, in one of the Emmanuels. Yeah, I don't know which one, he's but he's a, in one of them. He's just a magnificent... He, uh, he's a wooden Indian who looks like Cary Grant. You <laughs> yeah, know? it's he's, exactly he's right. He's got the cleft chin. He's got the whole... He's very... You know, the movie, the Bond movie he's in on Her Majesty's Secret Service is, it's a pretty good one by most people's standards. It's pretty acclaimed uh, as far as like the plot and Diana Rigg and Telly Savala is pretty great. Uh, but he's just not a dynamic actor. He's not, really quite yeah, boring. Yeah, 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 he's he's the weakest part of that Bond movie, James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's not even in the Fletch, but we're no, not. No, yeah. off the rails. <laughs> Uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm amazed. We went an hour without going yes, off the rails because we go off the rails very easily. Very easily. We've done pretty solid today. Um, um, Mr. Underhill was in Smile. We talked about that already. Yeah, the yeah. Guy and in Chevy Chase is constantly like. I'll have a Bloody Mary and a steak sandwich and a steak sandwich, please. <laughs> Just uh, ordering stuff on his. Four hundred eighty dollars. <laughs> Yeah, it sticks a little, it sticks he and his old lady with did some horrendous bills. Better luck next time. <laughs> what a fucking Can you believe this guy? What does Mr. Underhill do? Two bottles of Dom Perignon, $100 a pop. Jesus H. Christ. Yeah, he's, uh, Chevy Chase is, is like, um, he's, he's trying to, well, I don't know that he's trying, but it, it, it's sort of like Elliot Gould is Philip Marlowe. Except mm. that he's not as rumpled. He's very he's very dashing, but he's low budget. I mean, he's a, just a low budget guy. He's got a he's got a divorce you know attorney got waiting a, for him on the stairwell. The and, divorce attorney who was in the Bad News Bears and Smile. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know that they I don't know that they got a lot of dimension out of Chevy Chase, even though they tried to build him as as a, as, as a person with this things going on in I his life. I think you're right about that because uh, he does he floats above everything tr- in such a way that he's not even a character. <laughs> yeah, he's just delivering lines. I'm just Chevy Chase. Yeah, and, and yeah. that's always kind of been his problem. Is he is like very funny doing the Chevy Chase thing. But it's also, unlike Bill Murray, I don't think he's a very dynamic actor. Like, Bill Murray can give you the smart-ass above it all, Saturday Night Live, cool guy. But he also has a bunch of other range. I don't know if Chevy has any other range from what I've seen. I, don't, I haven't seen yeah, it either. Yeah. 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 yeah he's, he's just a good-looking guy, you know? And he's funny. He's, he's, um, he is they, funny, yeah. Very you know, I read that he, uh, Lorne Michaels, was in the same line buying movie tickets. And Chevy Chase was with this girl just riffing. And, yeah. And uh, Lorne Michaels said, hey, you want to cool. be on the show? Yeah, and I think he had him as a writer first, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the best, but he was the best uh, newscaster. Generalissimo yeah. Francisco Franco is still dead. You know what's a crazy thing is watching the Chevy Chase show from the early 90s. Because he did that. He did the Weekend Update thing again in that. No, I yeah, did not yeah, see yeah. that. Oh, man. it's I mean, it's it's pretty infamous uh, like failure of a show. I think it was on for a month or two. His desk was... Uh, 
I thought it was kind of cool looking, but it was really wild. Like, he had a giant fish tank behind him, the whole, you know, on the set of the talk show. And he's just, you got Chevy and a giant fish tank. And he has guests who are people who are clearly his friends, like Dan Aykroyd, Goldie Hawn, Whoopi Goldberg, who are clearly just his friends. And they just talk, well, Chevy, he's just the best, isn't he? Don't we love Chevy? Oh, yeah. God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really oh, funny. Yeah. I'm sorry, I missed that. It's on YouTube. <laughs> the whole sure thing is, is on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, Fletch. What can you say? It's a funny movie. It's a, it's a, it's 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 what movies are. Some movies are supposed to be, which is just a real pleasant diversion. It's a yeah, that's hour exactly and a half where you get a chuckle and you feel good, and uh, and yeah, it's over. Yeah, um, couple of just small things I do want to pick up. Um, specifically, um, Alan Stanwyck, the Matheson character. Do you notice he was a member of the JCs? Uh-huh. Just like the young American Miss Pageant. Yeah, yeah, Richie's got a thing about yeah. the JCs, uh-huh. doesn't he? And um, something else as well. Uh, some, oh, another line he has in the beginning when he's talking to Chevy Chase about his, his cancer that he doesn't actually have. Just eats you up bit by bit. Which is also the name of the song. <laughs> I don't know what this, what that was or anything. I but didn't I, even catch I, that. I that's the kind of thing I normally catch. Good one. Yeah, that's, that's uh, an excellent one. Yep. Um yeah, melanoma, carcinoma, some kind of noma. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, I guess we'll we'll kind of outro on that by saying Fletch is definitely more indicative of Richie's later filmography. It was a lot more silly comedies, and some of them were really good. Others were not as good. Right. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about that for a couple minutes. Yeah, let's yeah, just I'm talk about some that. of the rest of Michael Richie's movies after we... Uh, you know, we focused on our five, and we said what we got to say. But mm-hmm. yeah, let's let's just go through the movies for a minute. Yeah, so we did on. Downhill Racer. We we talked about it. Prime Cut. We did not talk about uh, Lee Marvin, Gene Hackman, uh, Young Sissy Spacek, very beautiful Young Sissy Spacek. Cool you, movie. You wrote uh, about that on yeah, Letterboxd. Cool yeah. movie. Yeah, um, a little bit boring at some parts, but I also really like all three of those people. Uh, yeah. They're all three really good in it. It also has an appearance from Gregory Walcott of Plan Nine from Outer Space. Mm. He's in there as wow. Gene Hackman's brother, who they have like. We're gonna just keep talking about Prime Cut. So, okay, <laughs> okay, maybe we'll do on. Prime Cut again. <laughs> but if we do five films from Lee Marvin, we'll do Prime Cut. There we go. At some point down the line, Candidate Smile, Bad News Bears, Semi Tough. Have not seen Semi Tough, but it is Burt Reynolds. One I of haven't my seen it since it came out. I think uh, the Dawn of Cable when I first yes. got Store or Cable. It's oh. another sports movie that Richie did, so that speaks to mm-hmm. that. He produced the Bad News Bears Go to Japan. Did not. Directed, he directed something called an almost perfect affair with Keith Carradine and Monica Vitti. Monica Vitti, I love yeah. Monica Vitti. Set about, I, I don't know what this is. The plot is about an affair between a filmmaker and film producer's wife, set at the Cannes Film Festival. Mm. That might be kind of cool. That, that might that be. Sounds interesting, and it also sounds competition, right? Yeah, yeah there you go. Very much film festival. Yeah. Here's another one called The Island, which is a pirate movie with Michael. And Cain. I have seen yeah. that. David That's, Warner. Uh, yeah. yeah. Haven't Michael seen Kane. that. Michael Caine's never made a bad movie. I've got some Michael Caine stories if we want to go on a tangent <laughs> for a minute. Like, sure. it's a pretty good one. Why not? Um, uh, so, Michael Caine, I think he was on, I think it was the Graham Norton show, uh, the British talk show, and he's right. sitting with Morgan Freeman. They were probably, maybe it was when they were promoting Batman, but they're sitting there together, and Michael's telling this story. A couple of, in this same interview, I think it was a couple of stories. Um, or no, maybe I got one. Okay, I'm literally going to tell you the story now. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, Michael Caine's sitting on the couch talking, and he's like, so uh, I was at a party in Hollywood, and, like, this woman was who hosted the party 
I was going to do an impression, but you see how I went out of it. The woman who hosted the party, like, kept giving me these weird, dirty looks, and I didn't understand why. Like, I was just, you know, not doing anything, whatever, whatever. And so eventually I asked her, and, and like, what's going on? I don't, I don't get it. And the woman said, are you a drug dealer? And Michael Caine is like, what? What are you talking about? Why, what do you mean? And she said, everyone keeps calling you my cocaine. <laughs> And when he said it, Morgan Freeman is just dying laughing next to him. The other, I don't know where this one comes from. I just read it on Wikipedia. Another just funny, random Michael Caine story that I love to tell is about how he got his name. His name is not Michael Caine. His name is Maurice Micklewhite. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and right, he originally right. went by Michael White, which was his last name. But uh, I guess when he was moving to London and, and kind of like getting big in the theater, there was already a Michael uh, White Michael White as an actor. And he was on the phone with his agent. He's like, Michael, you got to change your name, come up with something. And he uh, looked up, and the first thing he saw was a, a cinema across the street from him, and it was playing the Kane Mutiny. <laughs> and he said, uh, Kane. And that's how he got the name. He said, if there was a tree branch in the way, my name might have been Michael Mutiny. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if I was standing on the other side of the building, my name might be Michael One Hundred and One Dalmatians. <laughs> Dumb, but cracks me up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyways, uh, I guess the island. One, one last thing about that. Written by Peter Benchley, the Jaws guy. Yeah, yeah, interesting, exactly. interesting. Yeah. And David Warner, uh, another good actor, supposed to be Freddy Krueger originally. Um, in the I first did not movie. know yeah, that. He was cast as Freddy Krueger and. I'm not sure why they uh, went, didn't didn't go with him, but I think he just, something happened and they got Robert Englund, and of course he's iconic in the role. Right. Yeah. So back to Richie, Divine Madness, Bette Midler concert movie. Uh, I have seen that. Okay. Student Bodies, which I guess is like a slasher parody, but he uh, it's actually an Alan Smith. He's saying, "Oh, Mike, Michael took his name off of it." Fletch. That's when you told me he took his name. Yeah, off. that's yeah. the one. I've not seen. I it. think I've seen that. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Is it good? No. no, but no, I think it's meant to be camp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine. So Fletch, then Wildcats, have also not seen another sports movie, Goldie Hawn, Woody Harrelson. She's Harrelton, the owner football. of the team. Yeah, I, she's the Again, coach. Cable, when Cable, uh, when I grabbed Cable in the early, mid-80s, you know, you, in fact, a friend of mine, okay, the original store cable box was a slider with 32 channels. And, and it was held together with uh, Phillips screws. So a friend of mine just took the cover off and looked inside. And basically, if you subscribe to HBO, which was Channel 3, mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a special so- wire soldered there. So he thought, okay, well, I'm going to take a gator clips from there and a bare wire. And then I'm going to take gator clips and just hook it to the chassis and twist cool. them together. And when you twisted them together, it unscrambled everything else. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really just like, there was just no technology back then for stealing. Hacked it, yeah. Yeah. So as long as you had one pay channel, it would unscramble everything. (laughs) That's, you know. Yeah, so I saw a lot, a lot, a lot of movies. Yeah, I bet. Uh, It's one of the several. But then in in the 80s, I just uh, also spent a lot of time under the bed when Reagan got elected. So movies were my only friends. (laughs) Sure, I can imagine. Then once I got a real job, uh, you know, <laughs> then I was no more movies. Or you have kids, and it's nothing but kids' movies. Luckily, right now I'm st- I'm firmly in the do nothing but watch movies stage <laughs> in my life. You know, you know almost thirty. And <laughs> it's a good time to do it. It's the perfect time to do it. I, and uh, this this uh, 
this is really your idea, and I appreciate you including me because when we get going on, yeah, when we get going on movies, there's just no absolutely. no end to it. Um, yeah, that's you're absolutely right. Um, I guess looking what else? The Survivors is a very funny movie. Richie did. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The uh, Math Out, Robin Williams, smoking uh, cigarettes and trees. Jerry Reed, yeah, the oh, best. Uh, the Snowman. <laughs> Um, then there's uh, the Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. I've not seen. Has I've mixed seen reputation. It once I think it's it's got it's got a cult following. Yeah. and it wasn't my cup of tea necessarily. Yeah, I, I think I like Eddie Murphy, but yeah, I, I, this movie I, I don't know anything about too much. The Couch Trip, which I have seen, and it is kind of bad. Uh, Aykroyd is a mental patient. He's posing as a uh, Charles Grodin. He's like a TV therapist or a radio therapist. Mathos in that one as well. I don't remember it being that good, despite kind of a fun premise. Mm. Uh, Fletch Lives, sequel to Fletch. Bad news. <laughs> Actually, like, sort of racist news. It's not good. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Fletch, yeah, I, I'm not going to talk too much about Fletch Lives, but he sort of kind of has a slave in that movie. <laughs> a little oh, bit. No. Yeah, Cleavon Little. Oh, uh, the, no. the plantation he inherits is, like, so remote. Cleavon Little's just there, and he still thinks, like, his family is just... He thinks slavery is still a thing. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and, but then at the end of the movie, he was an undercover FBI agent. So, no, it's cool. He was just fooling Fletch. But it was really uh, quite strange. That's weird. Yeah, it's super weird. I don't even know if they say the word slave necessarily, but, like, what else is this supposed to be? He's on a plantation. He's, like, a, a black guy who works for you. Like, it's very remote. It's clearly supposed to be slavery. Weird that's, stuff. That is weird. I'm glad I've never seen yeah, that. Yeah, and it, it kind of tries to, it's like, does a lot of Gone with the Wind riffs. So that's part of it. It's like, you, <laughs> even if you look at the poster, it's a fake Gone with the Wind poster. <laughs> look, check this out. Oh, good grief. Yeah, check this out. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Rough who, movie. Who thought that up? Rough movie. Um, yeah. Is it like Perry Mason, which I've been watching a lot of, in the very first uh, season, there's like 32 episodes in nine total nine seasons. There's a shitload of episodes. So some of them oh, are yeah, actual, sure. it'll say, Earl Stanley Gardner's The Case of the Disappearing Rug, or whatever it is. But then there's also uh, The Case of the Houndstooth Coat, based on characters. Right? So, you know, if Let's Lives is like, a, obviously, it's proof that sequels it was, um... most often than not don't work. It was, well, there's, that's interesting you say that, because Fletch is a character in books. There was a series yeah, of novels. Yeah, I was going to say, if this is based on a novel, I or I think is it, it must just... have been, like, kind of loosely based. Um, They've got the character yeah, in Characters by Gregory McDonald. It doesn't even go. say based on. Yeah. But there's, you know, there are a bunch of Fletch books, and there's a new one coming out with John Hamm as Fletch, called Confess really? Fletch. Yeah. Should no be coming kidding. out soon. They wrap production on it, also as uh, John Slattery of Mad Men, and... They're a great team together. Like, one of the most underrated parts of Mad Men is how funny those two guys are when they get in a room together. So I think, uh, <laughs> I think it'll be great. Yeah. I, I've not seen Mad Men at all, believe it or not. And I've also not seen all of The Sopranos. So I really fucked up. Oh, well, that's a podcast in and of itself. Yeah. Holy yeah, moly. Yeah. 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 Um, where were we at for Richie? We're getting, we're get, hitting the end of his career. Getting there. near to the end. Yeah. Digstown is kind of cool. Uh, James Woods, uh, 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 Loose Gossip, Bruce Dern, Oliver Platt, uh, boxing kind of con man movie. Mm, I, yeah. Another I competition. Yeah. Uh, he was in John Landis's Innocent Blood as Night Watchman because John Landis likes to put directors in his movies. Uh, it's very much a thing. He did the story for Cool Runnings. 
wrote wrote the original script for that. No kidding. Yep. Cops and Robertsons again, unforgivable Chevy Chase film. <laughs> Uh, the Scout with Albert Brooks, which I've not seen. Oh, that's Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser, yeah. 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 That's his last sports movie. Because then after that, he did The Fantastics. And, I didn't is, know he did The Scout. Interesting. Yeah. I love Albert Brooks. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen it, but I, I probably would like it. It's his last sports movie. After that, he did The Fantastics, which is a musical I've not seen. And it took five years to be released. Filmed in 95, released in 2000. Yeah, because he, he passed away at a very young age. 2001, yeah. yeah. He, he, just a few, he got out before 9-11, so... <laughs> <laughs> just by a couple months, April 2001. That's a shame. Good on him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, so, The Fantastics is technically his last movie because it was released last, but in 1997 he did a movie that I saw in the theater when I was a little kid, A Simple Wish with Martin Short and uh, Kathleen Turner, I think. Uh, like about fairies and stuff. That sounds familiar. I don't think I've seen it. I though. saw it. I don't remember much of it, but I was a. I saw it in the theater when I was a little kid, and that's Michael's last movie that he made. But last movie release was Fantastics. Wow. Yeah, and I guess he went back to TV too in the last year of his life. Did a couple of TV. I did movies. see a couple of TV things. Yeah. That he did. And he did a movie that is with Holly Hunter that we should do when we do our five films on Holly Hunter, a TV movie for HBO called The Positively True Adventures of the Alleged Texas Cheerleader Murdering Mom, <laughs> which is a long name. It's an HBO movie, that, but I think we can maybe do it when we do five films I'm for Holly for Hunter. That. Yeah, I I'm saw up for that, that title, too. and I'm really up for that. And yeah. it's another, you know, ch- i got to imagine it's got some kind of a competition angle, too, with cheerleaders and stuff like that. I mean, I had a jag there where I was watching cheerleader movies on Lifetime, and there were just... <laughs> yeah, this has got to be a good take like on that. Like a riff on that. Yeah, 1993, yeah. so that would be prime time for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely prime time for yeah. that kind of stuff. So yeah, that was uh, five films from Michael Ritchie and also kind of trying to cover the rest of his filmography. Um, do you have any final thoughts, Todd, on Michael Ritchie? Mm-hmm. No, I just think he's, uh, like you said, he he, he just has a, he has an eye for... Um, I for humanity. He has an eye for the the uh, the bystander, and for, he puts you in the the way he put he, he, the way he puts you just right there in the movie. And the way he shoots action sequences is like really very, amazing. Very yeah, amazing. I would agree with that. Uh, I, just for a first movie downhill racer, I thought was just uncanny. It must have been. I need to look up the editor for that because that's Yeah, I bet it was job. somebody, yeah. yeah. Somebody hellacious. And, uh, yeah, so that thing you were talking about, Bruce Stern said in the interview that, you know, Michael Ritchie makes movies about the people who never get recognized for their humanity, which is kind of great because he, they are, they are like, uh, there's an affection for the characters while also having sort of a cynical eye towards the systems they exist in. Yeah. Which is the, the same sort of thing I love about Robert Altman and Christopher Guest and David Byrne and some of my favorite people. Yeah, uh, That I same agree. kind of uh, I uh, eye. Yeah. Anyways, um, we've got to do another episode, and we got a bunch of people to choose from. Yeah, what we do haven't choosed one yet. I've, yeah, I so mean, um... we were thinking, uh, so we've got directors and actors. Somebody I'm interested in doing, tell me, tell me what you think, is Ted Kotcheff. Ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, North Dallas 40, North my Dallas favorite 40. sports movie there you go. ever. And actually, it can slide right from Richie because it's another sports movie. He also did First Blood. He did a Burt Reynolds movie. Burt Reynolds is my man. So we got three three there. Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yeah. And um, actually... I don't. The, I guess this isn't a final lineup, but his one of his earliest movies is a movie called Wake and Fright, which is like an Australian deliverance kind of deal. Mm, you were talking that, about that. It's yeah. kind of a bad way to describe it, but it is like harrowing in the same way deliverance is. And it's a movie that I absolutely would love to watch again. Donald Pleasance is in it. And a English actor named Gary Bond. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, good, it's a good movie. Yeah, I gotta I, check that out. That we can do. So, what do you say, Ted Kotcheff? Is that is that Ted, what we're gonna do? Ted, I'm down with Ted. All right, perfect. Uh, the final lineup, you know, to, not to be determined, I guess, but it sounds like we got a lot to choose from. So there you go. That's it. I'm Matt Kennedy. And I'm Todd Edmondson. And this has been Five Films From, Michael Ritchie. Yes, sir.